0: Hello and welcome to the Empire of the Cup podcast. Uh, we're going to be pre, uh, well, reviewing rather the Nottingham Forest win uh, before the international break. With me here today, we've got Peter Kenny Jones, we've got freelance sports journalist Declan Carr, and I'll be your host, uh, Farrell Keeling. Uh, Declan, bit of a tight one over Nottingham Forest. I have to say, I was quite impressed by uh, the approach uh, from Steve Cooper's men. Um, what, what were your impressions uh, from that game? Because they did take a lot of risks, and you know they had. Opportunities, arguably, uh, to take the game into their own.
1: Well, I think if you watch the game back, it probably should have gone to extra time. For me, I think it was it Argle had that chance where really he put it wide. It was inexcusable for a team like that coming up against a team like Liverpool to miss that chance. For me,
0: no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Pete's. You're obviously looking at sort of Steve Cooper. You know, used to be a youth coach. Liverpool has experience with the England you know, national set up you know what What were your impressions on him and has his has your opinion of his sort of coaching credentials uh, risen uh, since that game yeah well
2: they were a solid team weren't they you know it's not an easy task to keep us quiet and I think they did obviously we had the likes of Salad and Mane missing which you know was a big deal and any team of well football would miss them but you know I think he does look like a decent manager though know, obviously I don't watch loads of championship football but obviously you see what he did with Swansea get them in the playoffs and You've seen what he's done there taking them from relegation battle to you know pretty much again challenging for the playoffs. So they were a great team and you know that that's why they knocked out the last two winners of the cup, was it? So that you can see why they've got through to, to where they are. It's just, you know, having a cup run and doing it every week in the league is a different thing, but you know, when the atmosphere was like it was and, and you can see why and how he's got that team to where they are, you know, they were solid across the pitch and it wasn't easy for us to to get him behind and get that chance. Obviously, you know, Bobby, if he scores that one in the first half, it's a totally different game, I think, isn't it? But, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, they, they obviously look good. And you can see he's obviously had some experience at, well, maybe obviously not at Anfield, but in Kirby with, with the academy. And, yeah, it's obviously stood them in good stead for what looks to be a, a good managerial career. And, you know, it wouldn't be
0: surprised to see him with Forrest or another club in the Premier League soon. Absolutely. And obviously, you know, Declan Diogo Jota grabbing the all important goal there, taking him to 19 for the season, his best return in a season, uh, really. I mean, obviously, when we're looking at the Liverpool forward line, you've got the usual standouts, particularly Mo Salah, you know, this season, who has been, you know, credited with being the world's best player on current form. But does that sort of mean that the achievements of Diogo are at times overshadowed?
1: I think maybe you're right with that one, yeah. But I think Jota's quintessentially underrated anyway for me. Like, I see all people on Twitter and stuff constantly slating, like his link up playing. Well, yes, obviously that, that aspect of his game isn't as good as um, Roberto Firmino, who is, like, one of the masters of that, like, being the link between Salah and Mane. But I think if we're going to incorporate Jota in the centre-forward role on a long-term basis, the centre-forward role of our, t- of our tactics has sort of got to she's came to be in this sort of false nine to be in a more poacher kind of role. Because that's what Jotter is, essentially. to one of the best poachers in the world right now.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's more than proof that I said. Uh, the amount of... I mean, against... Arsenal, as well, you sort of look at the kind of performances he's put in. Where, you know, I'm, I must admit, if I was in a guilty party of thinking, oh, you know, he's, he's, he's got to be hooked here, I'm not sure the performance is perhaps quite up to the standard we come to expect. And he pops up and scores the goal, and then you ultimately you end up feeling a bit bad for him being substituted. But, um, you know, it, I mean, he's been absolutely integral, and hopefully long may that continue. But it does, of course, then set up. A meeting in the semi-final with league leaders, Manchester City. Six or seven days away, Pete, from that meeting at the Etihad that could could potentially decide the title. Um, I mean, how are you sort of feeling about that fixture? And, and, and do you think it sort of changes how either side sets up for the, 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 that league meeting at the Etihad? Yeah. Um. Simply no, that helps. <laughs> <I'm> sorry for <laughs> him. Um,
2: yeah, I think you know. Obviously, both teams are going to be prioritizing the prem and the Champions League, aren't they? And obviously, yeah, possibly we'd rather have the prem, they'd rather have the Champions League, but. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that you know either side could go and win both of those competitions. And the FA Cup's definitely on the back burner, but that doesn't mean that we're both going to try and win because, unfortunately, for both teams, we've been drawn against the other ones. You can't rest and you, you know that you can't put half a team out because the other team will go and bat here. So it's going to be probably just... You're gonna to stitch together what what is left after those, you know, the um, the quarterfinals of the Champions League and then that massive game at the Etihad and the Prem, and just you want to play the best players you've got that can win the game that are, are able to play. So I think, you know, it's gonna be an interesting one. Obviously, it's a it's a good narrative when it adds another there. Weird tear on this, you know, what a mad month April's going to be, but we'll just have to wait to see what happens and hopefully we come out on top. You know, It could easily be that, yeah, for one or one of those sides, you could lose the quarter final, lose the game against the other one and lose the semi-final. Your season's over in the space of, you know, a week, so it's going to be a mad one, but hopefully, you know, City derail, we
0: come out on top and it all goes in, in our favour. Absolutely. A strong team and nothing but a strong team. And hopefully uh, this international break period gives us the chance to get that strong team available for that first league meeting. Uh, Declan, we were speaking about the international break uh, before we, we popped on for this podcast. Um, I, I get the impression that you're, you're not the biggest fan of it and certainly not without good reason. Um, but is, is there sort of any... Benefit to be gleaned from it with regard obviously to you know injuries. Trent is obviously the, the main one with the hamstring concern. Um, or are you of the mindset of keep the momentum going?
1: I do like that idea keep the momentum going, yeah. And I think yeah Klopp has come out and said in the past, hasn't he, about like he likes to have them games? I think it was after maybe the Leeds game got postponed. I think he said like you like to have them games come up quick and fast because then the players stay in that rhythm, they don't lose it. But I think maybe this may come at the right time because that is a heavy-looking um, period of fixtures in April. I think it's like Watford, Benfica, City, Benfica, is it City again, United, Everton, something along those lines. So it's, it's very, very tough run of games. And a lot of the players are getting a rest now. I think we've seen Trent um, was in, I think it was it looked like Dubai, I think um, he was training over there, which suggests that that, injury wasn't as serious as maybe it's been um, portrayed as, but we'll, we'll see, obviously, if he is backed by Wofford and maybe a couple of few England fans might be uh, a bit angry on social media if he does end, turn off for of that Wofford game, I think.
0: I mean, the initial fears would be that, you know, he might not be available through the Etihad meeting, but then obviously we've had updates from the likes of uh, James Pearce and Neil Jones from Goal. Um, asserting that in you know, an earlier return, perhaps, perhaps as early as the first leg at Benfica, would hope to see him back at Watford uh, would be far more likely, which would then obviously put him in contention for the Etihad. Uh, I mean, Pete, you, you mentioned earlier, I mean, this is going to be a potentially season-defining month of football for Liverpool Football Club. Um, you know, with, with semi-final, the FA Cup, league meeting Etihad, which, as we say, you know, it could, it could effectively decide the title race. You never know, the City side is dropping points. Um I, 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 how do you stand on, on on this international break? Do you the same point of view as Declan? That, you know, there's there's a benefit to it. Would you prefer to sort of see Liverpool just trudge on? I think we always seem to go
2: into a break and think, oh, thank God we've got this, and then normally the game after this something goes a bit wrong, doesn't it? You know, obviously, I'm not trying to wish downers at all, and you know, maybe you can hope because the fact we've got Watford and obviously the battle of relegation, you hope that that would mean it would be an easier game, but. When it gets to the final two months of the season, you don't want to play anyone at the top and you don't want to play anyone at the bottom. It's all the ones who, you know, got, got their heads on um, what the holiday they're booking after the game and all that, that's the ones you want to play. And it's we haven't got many of them coming up. We've got massive game after massive game. You know, even United and Everton, no matter what, that's a big one, but we know with Everton battling relegation and United looking for top four, you know those games are even harder than probably they normally would be. So it's just going to be a mad month and you hope that the rest helps, but it does. It has happened before that a breaking rhythm hasn't worked for us. Just hopefully the you know, Roy Hodgson does us a favour and maybe they're a bit easy to they just roll over for us and we can get a win and get the momentum going again. I think it has helped with the likes of Trent. You know, his injury, whether it's an injury or not, it should be sorted, it looks like, by the end of it. So hopefully, you know, he's, maybe he's on the bench for the Watford game so we can kind of brush it under the carpet a bit and then he can just come straight back in and let's just start again. But, you know, it's just scary, isn't it? It can all go so right, it can all go so wrong. But, you know, we just got to believe in in the lad that we'll, we'll get there. And at the
0: end of April, we're, we're all on tender hook for what might happen in May. I mean, the perfect situation certainly would be grab a few minutes in the, in the Watford game and then sort of gradually build back up um, to to that first league meeting with Manchester City. Um, I mean, speaking of City, you know, we obviously we have to look at the, the semi-final uh, meeting in the FA Cup and the absolute uh, disaster class in terms of the, the travel preparations for the Wembley fixture. I, I mean, Declan, it, it, it's it's baffled me. It's baffled every single Liverpool fan out there. Just at how, I mean, it's not just Liverpool fans. You know, Manchester City fans are absolutely have a right to be completely furious with the, the lack of consideration for them. You know, no no trains due to engineering works and no sort of... I mean, it, it's taken, obviously, the statement that's come out from, you know, the spirit of Shankley and, of course, City's 1894 group condemning the lack of consideration for fans and very much rightly so. Um, but, I mean, what, what's, what, what, what's your thoughts on this? I think it says
1: a lot about it when all your top football journalists are coming out and criticising the FA, we don't often see that. And even the likes of Henry Winter, who has like 1.3 million on Twitter, he's probably the most prominent football journalist in this country. He's not. He's not associated obviously with Liverpool or with Man City. He's a neutral in this case, and he's still. He, even he's coming out and like slamming the FA, saying he don't to, to, to send me the tattoo fans he called it. So, it's just a shambles. Like I read something. I think it was last night. They come out saying um, that the like travel company, uh, the rail company, informed the FA of this. Like didn't know about it for over two years. Something, something like that. Like you just screw your heads on and sort it out, do you know what I mean? Like, either put it at a different venue or do it on a weekend where these rail works aren't going on. It's that simple, really. But once again, it shows that they don't care about the fans. They simply don't care about the fans. All they care about is money. And I'm almost 95% sure that this final doesn't get moved and it stays at Wembley for that exact weekend that it's already on. These rail works won't get moved. And
0: it'll be an absolute nightmare for the fans. I mean, it'd be absolutely disgraceful um, if if so. I mean, I mean, Pete. Th- th- there have been suggestions um, that the tie could be moved potentially either to you know to a, more, you know, a neutral venue up north. You know, either Old Trafford, Villa Park, which would certainly suit uh, both sets of fans quite nicely. Uh, I mean. <sighs> I was seeing some sort of discussion about this online and you've got some fans who sort of talking about it, you know, like maybe perhaps they don't want to do this because then it puts at risk the future of Wembley semi-finals. You know, if you get if you put the tie at Old Trafford, you know, massive crowd, you know, a fantastic atmosphere, you know, does it then sort of threaten um, at these sort of Wembley fixtures? You know, do you reckon that's, that's partly in their mind in terms of a reluctance to sort of change the venue?
2: Yeah, well, no, as, as Declan just said then, it's, it's about the money in it. They, they want the money to go to Wembley and go to the FA. That's why they, they don't change it. And that's why, you know, it, that's the way it was for years. You know, it used to have, you know, the neutral venues and it should be worked on you know, where the teams are playing. Fair enough, if it's, you know, if it's Tottenham Arsenal, okay, fine, play it at Wembley, that's fine. But, you know, we, we don't live there. We you know, and, and now they've got us played in the Carabao Cup final. You play in the semi-final. Hopefully we get to the final. That's three times you're going to go to Wembley as a fan and you know obviously we're all proud where we're from I and mean, we wouldn't change living in Liverpool or being a club from Liverpool but you know you're expected to go to to the nation's capital three times it doesn't seem like there's much consideration about the rest of the fans for this semi-final that never ever used to be played there so you know it's it's not a surprise and 100% would be better if it was played in the North West or anywhere just closer to both teams and it doesn't it? You know the the date hasn't been fully announced. It wouldn't be that hard every season to go. When it's the two semi-finals, let's just pick the ground that's closest to both of them that works logistically with what other fixtures are being played, and let's pick there. And I don't think it'd be that hard if if Paul and City fans found out this week where the game was and what time the kickoff was, and then they had to arrange the travel. You know that, that's the way it should be. But yeah, the FA just wants the money for themselves and you know, it's just its never going to change from Wembley. Probably I agree with that as well. They're probably, everyone's saying they're going to knock a fiver off the tickets and put 10 coaches on and think that's sort of the problem, which which it isn't. It's just the greed from everyone in charge of football. And, you know, this is what our owners did last year with the Super League. Everyone just tries to squeeze a bit of money out for themselves, don't they? And that's football today. So yeah, we'll probably all end up on a on a mouthway with a crash that means the whole of the Liverpool and Manchester are stuck and missed kickoff. But you no, know, as long as the train trainwaves get done and, and the FA get the
0: money, cares. UK's. I mean, we're seeing football, right, you know, taken away increasingly from the fans since the inception of, of the Premier League as you both rightly noted. Um, I mean, Declan, for you, I mean, obviously you have the mindset it's not going to, they're not going to change the venue this year. And obviously it's going to well, screw over a lot of a lot of the fans attending, to, to put it quite simply. But uh, what does this mean for the future? Could could you see this inviting debate over you know movements of, of that sort of Wembley fixture uh, in, in future seasons, or, or they, do you reckon they're just going to rigidly sort of stick to this um, program?
1: For me, I think they stick to it. I don't like the Wembley semi-finals. I never have. I think it's pointless. Like like uh, Peter said, like if you've got two northern teams. Why they travel down to london for a semi-final for a final fair enough i agree it's it's the national stadium it's the biggest in the country it's like the showcase event at the showcase stadium but i think having the semi-finals there takes away from that for me it always has done so i think it makes sense to bring it back to like the likes of villa park or trafford even maybe Anfield, if it's not Liverpool playing in it, obviously, at some points, which obviously we don't have to make the FA Cup semis these days, so it might not be Liverpool after years. But, you know, just take it away from Wembley for me and have it at somewhere where it's... Like, as you said, if it was Arsenal v Tottenham, have it at Wembley or have it at, like, Stanford-Birdside, you know, like, somewhere where it's close so they can get it quite easy and stuff. Whereas if it's, like, Liverpool v... United or have it at the Etihad, or if it's City have it at United, or maybe even Villa Park. If they think like, I heard a couple of rumors they're not going to have it at Old Trafford because like Liverpool and Man City fans are just damage Old Trafford, which <laughs> well, it's one of them, isn't it? But like, you've got to find that 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 leeway. It's like, but it's like, so like, you put get have this debate for hours and hours and hours about like whether they care about fans or not. And the the honest two answer is they don't. You look at these after twelve kickoff times. They don't even care about the players, never mind. The fans, like like Klopp said about the year uh, the about the 12.30 kickoffs. like after you've just played that Wednesday Champions League game, I think they've took that away now. But still, it was well, like yeah. Arsenal the other week, they had a the game on like the Wednesday or something and then they were playing the half-twelve on a Saturday. So it's like they don't really care about player well-being or the fans, really, for me.
0: No, absolutely we had this with the Brighton game it was absolutely
3: bizarre but Rick Ricks put his hand up was to yeah add something I, I was gonna say I the thing is when you think about the logistics of it I mean I I don't have any insights on uh any sort of like um financial sort of like how much they would generate from each uh, event but just thinking logistically uh if you had a you know a a performance say Ed Sheeran or someone like that and you could you you could you could cover the the pitch uh you could get like standing crowd on there you could probably get more people in that in uh, Wembley stadium than you could do with a with a football match so you could probably they'd probably make their money on 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 drinks throughout the event and all that kind of stuff more so than a than a, a semi-final of a of the FA Cup it, it just the logistics of it. Uh, why? Why they're trying to force it through when they could? where they could be generating money through other, other means, other acts, other performances. Or it doesn't have to be a football match. These these matches don't have to be played. That they just. There's got to be alternative ways for them to make money to pay off stadium because that's a, that's essentially what it all is it's, it's trying to trying to claw back as much of the of the money that it costs to build the stadium in the first place
0: no absolutely i mean, I mean Pete, just the last one on the subject i mean in your mind is it a particular bias against northern based fans in general or is it just a total you know lack of consideration just for football fans collectively
2: I think most people in London think the world revolves around London and that's what it is and they probably think it's a nice day out for us northerners to go and go and see the big lights you know from our slums or whatever they probably think of us. But yeah, I I think it's probably maybe a bit of prejudiced thinking against us, but I think also deep down they just thought, Oh, everyone will like another day at Wembley, you know, it's a good laugh here, why don't you come? But I think you used to have those stats where you go, oh, this player's never played at Wembley and you know, never done mm-hmm. that. You can't believe it, but it, it opens the door for a whole new range of people. Obviously, you understand playoff finals and stuff like that, but when it's like the other year, it was Watford's Palace or Watford's versus uh, Wolves, and you've got the likes of Trudy Deeney who can he played at Wembley, which I've got nothing against him because obviously it then got to the final. But if you're someone who's only ever played there in a semi-final, I think it just takes the magic away from it. You know, I remember going when we... Um, we be Cardiff in twenty twelve, and my dad's counting all his Wembley trips. And, you know now you're starting to add the semi-finals in, it just takes away the magic of it all. I think and, you know, do, do you go on about the magic of the FA Cup? But I think you know, the magic should be that it's the it's the showpiece day. Obviously, you've got the, the League Cup final there and the playoffs. I understand, but I think you know, putting the semi-final there just cheapens it for everyone. And I think, as you say, they're just trying to chase the money, and that's, that's what they are And how far back can they go? ends up playing the quarterfinals there as well you know we, I'm sure if they because it was them to get the money out of it but yeah I think it's just yeah greed takes over football and everything else but you know we're used to it now aren't we
0: quite a, a bleak final word to end on but end on it we we shall I mean hopefully it doesn't ruin the events uh, for the fans attending in question it's, it's going to be a great match um, but you know Dirk, Thank you very much for coming on. Very much appreciate having you on. Uh, just wanna have a quick one, you know. Do you have any sort of exciting projects coming up uh, that you'd like to share on the on the pod before you head off?
1: Uh, no, just mainly stuff on my YouTube channel, which is a crazy kickoff. Um crazy about kickoff, sorry. Uh, and then just some like some uh, interviews in the works, but I can't reveal too much about them yet really until they come through. So just keep an eye on my Twitter page, that's all that's all I'll say.
0: For we'll, share, we'll share the details and we'll certainly be uh, keeping a close eye on everything that's to come. Uh, for now, uh, I've been your host, Farrell Kinney. We've had Rick Elliott producing in the wings. Our very own Peter Kenny-Jones, freelance sports journalist Declan Carr. And we've been the Empire of the Cop podcast. Thanks for listening. Take care.